but I remember wakening up on the floor in a pool of blood. My my face was lying down in a pool of blood and I thought I had died. I woke up and I thought I was dead. I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? So I got up and I could feel something funny in my face. I was running my tongue over what I thought was a loose tooth in my mouth. And I was like, oh my Mm. gosh, I must have fallen and um, hurt myself. And now I have a loose tooth. And I went into the bathroom and I was trying to look in. I was trying to see what it was. I tried to catch the tooth. And then I realized it wasn't a tooth. It was my bone. I had a broken jaw. Uh, And the tooth had been knocked out of that place. And the jaw was broken up like this. And what I could feel was jagged bone. And I couldn't feel any pain. I just remember standing, looking at my face, thinking, in my mind, I can remember thinking, this is a really low moment in your life. Off we go again. (laughs) Hello there. Welcome back to The Bleeding Truth. I'm Sally McNally, the Irish midwife. And I'm Bridget, Sally's daughter. And we have made this podcast to bring you stories from my life. Bridget thinks I have an interesting life. So uh, some of the stories are from the labor room and some are outside of the labor room. Yeah. So focusing on women's health around the world. So please like and subscribe and hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of our future episodes and listener discretion advised because sometimes the topics are for mature audiences. But we can get started with some questions from the listeners. Great. So we, yeah, so we have one. uh, This is a great question. It's actually kind of inspired the rest of the, this episode, but um, they're asking As a postpartum nurse, I have always felt more anxiety in my pregnancies, just knowing what could go wrong. With you being a midwife and already doing so many deliveries, did you find yourself to have anxiety or were you more relaxed with your own pregnancy? It's such a great question for me because I have um, so much experience before I had my baby and after I've had my baby. Um, but I, as a postpartum nurse, I can imagine how you must feel um, because you, you have to look after the patients after they've had emergency, unexpected C-sections. Babies might be taken to NICU. You might have, you know, un, um, unexpected things like hemorrhages or preeclampsia or eclamptic seizures. And it can be very stressful if you're pregnant and you, you can't be taken away to a, a place where you don't see this because these are your patients. Often in labor and delivery, if a nurse is pregnant and there's a very ill patient or a baby dies, uh, we used to try and protect that nurse and or midwife and keep them away from the situation so that they oh. didn't take on that, you know, cloak of anxiety. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I feel your pain because I, I can remember when I was pregnant I had seen a lot. I had seen a lot of the things that can go wrong. Um, But before I had my baby, I had my own experiences with uh, very stressful situations where I had built up probably like little walls and I had ways to cope with my anxiety um, Mm -hmm. that I use to this day. Yeah, yeah, but um, what a pregnant woman could do to help herself with anxiety 
uh, there's actually quite a lot she can do. First of all is to recognize it, to recognize it in the moment that your mind is saying, what if, what if, what if? And your body thinks that's real, but it's not happening right now. And it's not your story even. You might be looking at a patient um, and feeling, what if that happens me? But it's her story. It's not your story. So once you recognize that, your body and your mind should relax a tiny little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. In hypnobirthing, we give our patients a little badge to wear that says no negative stories, please. Because as soon as somebody sees you're pregnant, they come to you and say, oh, wait until I tell you all my horror stories about my own birth. Right. I was in labor for 17 days and, you know, all of this. And it's their story. It's not your story. And your patients in the bed, even though you may have to look after somebody who has had, you know, maybe a negative birth experience, that's their story. Your story is happening right here, right now in this breath and in this heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you recognize you're anxious and that you're trying to make Uh, earrings out of your shoulders take a big breath and relax the neck and shoulders and um, sometimes with my patients I'll ask them just to relax one part one their hand their foot their jaw and the rest of the body will follow because your poor body doesn't know that it's not real your mind is going what if what if what if and you're sending out all these stress hormones and stress signals and your body's getting ready to run and hide or fight Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what that does? It reduces the blood flow to the uterus. Now, mm-hmm. if you, if I said that reduces the blood flow to your kidneys or your stomach, or your heart, you wouldn't care so much. You'd be like, yeah, that's what happens. But when I say it reduces the blood flow to your baby, that mommy instincts start kicking in and you, you start realizing I shouldn't do that. I should relax right. my body and my mind. But how do we do that Uh, when a lot of women can suffer from a perinatal mood disorder like depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety during Mm -hmm. the pregnancy and after the pregnancy? But during the pregnancy, it sometimes goes, you know, missed because um, it's normal to like worry. Is my baby okay? And am I doing all right? But if it's excessive, um, then we should, you know, talk to her. You should ask yourself too, am I overthinking things? Am I getting any sleep or is my mind constantly busy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I very restless? Am I very irritable? They, These would be signs of over-anxiousness that you might need to address, not just by taking a breath and right opening your hand. You know, you might need some talk therapy, some um cognitive therapy you might need some medication therapy if it's really bad uh, th- we have these mental health screens that we do when your baby's born but we we really should be doing them during the pregnancy too right uh, one that we use in our office is called the edinburgh uh mental health screen and it's pretty good um and it does have a few questions about anxiety Uh, So if the score is like over nine or 10, then we know she's feeling, you know, a little unwell or unhappy or anxious. And then Mm -hmm. the higher the score, the worse the perinatal mood disorder could be. 
So sometimes we go off the score, but sometimes we just go off what the patient is telling us. Does she need medication? You know, is she having thoughts of wanting to hurt herself or her baby? Or is she hearing voices or, you know, is she seeing things that aren't there? Does she need to be hospitalized? Wow. Um, that would be very rare, but it's more likely just like over anxiousness and that she can treat a lot of it um, herself. Um, mindfulness, being aware of what you're thinking, what you're doing. Uh, also yoga, of course. I love mm -hmm. yoga and yoga really helps. And there's evidence to support that yoga helps anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and then journaling so that you can cough it up, spit it out and look at it, you know, see what mm -hmm. it was in your mind. When you read back, you're like, whoa, I was having all those, you know, anxious thoughts and yeah. it's not even really happening. It's somebody else's story, even though yeah. it, it might be your patient's story. Uh, it's it's not your story. So something that that you you keep reminding me of is to think of like control the controllables. Yes. It's not your story, right? So don't make it your own story. You can control um, right. other things that can set your your own experience in a better direction. Whereas yes. if you're focusing on all the negative things, then sometimes you lead yourself in that direction. But, That's um, true. That's or just stress true. yourself out over it when it's all yeah. these things that, you know, you have no control over. Right. And yeah. some people have that kind of personality where they have to have time to think about negative stuff. So mm -hmm. when I meet a woman like that, I'm like, go ahead, do it. Sit for 10 minutes and think of all the worst, horriblest things that could ever happen. But you're going to spend 20 minutes thinking about all the mm -hmm. lovely things that can happen um, mm -hmm. as well. So that's the deal. Double yeah. the time that you focus on the positive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, th and thoughts are so interesting, aren't they? Thoughts can trip us up so, so many times. Like, um, so my own pregnancy, she had a lovely question for me. I wasn't worried. I was so, so lucky. I was happy and I was able to do my prenatal yoga and I was able to, you know, do hypnosis, self-hypnosis, because I had already trained myself in in techniques that I could see streams of energy flowing through me and into my baby. And I never envisioned her being sick or being in trouble in any way. I envisioned her like this, this golden child full of energy. <laughs> and it was really, really amazing to be pregnant for me because I'd already been through you know, uh, certain types of anxiety. I learned how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you about that. Maybe that's our story today. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I have many experiences with anxiety uh, and uh, fears, but being the patient is really hard for nurses. It's the worst thing because we we see, you know, the awful things that can happen on a daily basis. Um, yeah. But when it happens to you, uh, it's it can be really scary. So my story uh, takes me back to Saudi Arabia. Um, and I was had a boyfriend at the time who was, um, you know, kind of bossy, I would have to say. Um, uh, and 
I I guess he was the guy with the still in the desert, right? He was selling the ah. uh, yeah, he was selling this uh, alcohol that he was uh, making in the desert. And he was an engineer in the hospital, like a normal person most of the time. But he was also a bit of a gangster, to tell you the truth, because mm. he was selling an illegal substance over there yeah. where it was illegal. Um, How old were you at this time? I was probably in my late 20s, maybe 26, maybe 28, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so uh this night, I guess there was a big party and we were drinking that alcohol and it was very strong, of course. It's like so strong. It was, um, and I kind of like don't remember exactly what happened, but um, I don't remember the actual event. But I remember waking up on the floor in a pool of blood. My my face was lying down in a pool of blood and I thought I had died. I woke up and I thought I was dead. I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? So I got up and I could feel something funny in my face. I was running my tongue over what I thought was a loose tooth in my mouth. And I was like, oh, Mm. my gosh, I must have fallen and um, hurt myself. And now I have a loose tooth. Um, And I went into the bathroom and I was Mm. trying to look in. I was trying to see what it was I tried to catch the tooth and then I realized it wasn't a tooth it was my bone I had a broken jaw uh, and the tooth had been knocked out of that place and the jaw was broken up like this and what I could feel was jagged bone and I couldn't feel any pain I just remember standing looking at my face thinking in my mind I can remember thinking this is a really low moment in your life you can't remember what happened. You're injured. You've obviously lost a lot of blood. And uh, and I remember thinking, this must be, you know, the worst moment of my life. Um, so, of course, we had must have had a fight. And uh, I don't remember the actual moment that that happened. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Um, that lovely boyfriend brought me to the Saudi hospital and I went on the way to the hospital I could hear my heart beating in my ears my own heart beating and I was still bleeding and my tongue kept touching my own bone and I was thinking my God. I know I'm sorry this is really gross but I really I was moving from being this very capable strong woman midwife right into being this vulnerable patient yeah and I remember um driving through the hospital gates and uh, the soldiers at the gates were like what's going on who's that who are you like talking to him and why were we together and uh I remember my boyfriend saying uh I, I, it's my job I have to bring her to the hospital and uh, she's dying and I heard she's dying um and of course I was kind of like very dizzy Wow! But they brought me in and uh, they brought me to the emergency room and immediately they made a decision. I was to go straight to the operating room. 
But I said, no, I don't want to be put asleep. I thought I would for sure die. I wanted to stay oh awake. I wanted to be in some control. I wanted to take back the control. I had lost it all. This was the worst, you know, moments of my life. And I wanted to start making it better. And I thought if they put me to sleep, I'll, I'll die. That's what I was thinking. And I was saying, no, no. And they brought me to this uh, oral doc, dentist uh, a surgeon, an oral surgeon he was, and he was from Finland, I guess. And I'll never forget his lovely voice. And he was terrified of me because he was like, oh, she has a compound fracture of her mandible, this big bone here. We need to put her to sleep to fix that. And I'm like, no, no, no. And he was like, I couldn't do it with you awake. And I'm like, no, you could, you could, you could do this. And he was like, no, I can't. So we had this tussle for a while um, and then he realized that I wasn't going to be put to sleep. Um, it, it, it was a scary wow. place, Saudi. What, did you have like bad experiences with anesthesia before or did you just really not want it in that moment? I really thought I wasn't going to wake up if I was put asleep, And I felt oh, wow. that I needed to be awake like I wow. could have some control, but of course, how could you? But I remember um, he gave in and he said he'd do his best and he was so good and he was so patient with me. And like about four or five times, he wanted to lift the jaw out and replace oh, it so that the, God. the broken pieces would fit back together. And then he tried to wire it shut, my teeth together. Um and I remember lying there and his his little voice, his wonderful accent and his blondy hair. And he kept on saying, OK, all right, we're, we're going to do this. And I, I was like, you know, in my mind, I was like, I, I don't want to know exactly what he's doing. I just want to listen to my breath now. And I started doing this self-hypnosis and I didn't even realize I could do that and this is what really uh, opened up that door of hypnosis for me and I started to calm my body and listen to my breath and I realized that my heartbeat what was going down then and it was like a, a really solid deep sound and I could hear it and um, I could feel him working away and every now and then he'd get frustrated when it would slip out of place and uh I would say, you can do it, you can do it. Uh, And then he did it over, you know, hours and hours. It was many hours. And he managed to do it. And uh, he did a great job. That that self-hypnosis, though, is probably just your, like, survival. Yes. Right? Yes. You had to self-hypnosis. Yes. And I mean, oh, my God. I had to. uh, to stay calm, like and he was using like local anesthetic and stuff, which made it bearable too. Um, but I, I, I've got very calm, I remember, uh, during the procedure and that really helped him. He felt calm. So I, in my, my persona, he wasn't scared anymore. He was calm. Um, and we got through it anyway. Um, but now, whenever I have to have a procedure, anything like dentist, I love the dentist. I'm like, yes, the dentist. I have time to do my hypnosis and like deeply relax. And my dentist, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, that, 
this is great. We can do wow. like today. I went to the dentist, um, yeah. and he he was doing this procedure, trying to put like a kind of a resin stuff on my teeth so that the gums would have something to hold on to. I'm old, and my gums are re- receding and stuff. But he uh, he was like, "Wow, this is great." We we didn't use any local, and I was sitting there for two and a half, three hours, and I didn't even notice the time. I thought I was there for twenty minutes. Wow. So. I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through, you know, something so yeah. stressful as that. I have that. so many questions. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sorry, Bridget. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Ask me one. So when you're going through that procedure where he's fixing your jaw, putting it back in place, the fracture, right? Where is this guy? Oh, the, the boyfriend. <laughs> um. I, I remember when we were going into the operating room, some of our friends, you know, from the hospital um, had heard and came running. And as as I was being wheeled in, I could hear one of them saying to him, um, how could you let that happen to Sally? How could you let that happen? Like somebody was giving him a hard time about it. And he was saying something like, oh, you know the way it is. And the other guy was saying, no, I don't know the way. But, you know, um, that would lead us into, you know, a different conversation, wouldn't it? About um, for years, I used to think that it was my fault that that happened. And, you know, maybe partly I, you know, did something to make him wild, you know. But that's what women do. That's what we do. We, you know, give them an out. We give them an excuse. Um, You know, I made him jealous. I shouldn't have worn that dress. I shouldn't have been dancing like that. Um, I, I remember using a lot of those excuses in my head. I think people use them, but I don't think that they're justified. Like, yeah. always. Yeah. Like... But I don't Especially remember. Especially when it's to that extent. Like, yeah. you, I mean, obviously I didn't know you then, but <laughs> nobody deserves that. No. And Even I'm, if whatever, yeah. you know, maybe you were crazy for, for whatever reason, nobody yeah. deserves that. You didn't, you know, that wasn't your fault. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't my fault, but I don't remember the actual event. Um, yeah. Like somebody said, he must have punched you uh, because it's like a direct, um, you know, force on the jaw. But I don't know if it was that. I don't know. But it's okay now because it's not happening to me now. And that's another point with anxiety that you might have a post-traumatic stress uh, effect from, from a bad experience or anxiety feels kind of like a post-traumatic stress effect. Um, But you have to remind yourself that it's somebody else's story or it's not happening to me now. I'm safe now. I'm safe in this breath and in this heartbeat. Uh, I'm I'm safe. And that's the same with our our friend who's asking that question. Mm -hmm. You're safe now in that breath that you're taking. You and baby... Just keep taking the breath. It's like you have your two great lungs and your baby's lung is the placenta, right? So when 
you take a breath with your two lungs, breathe with your placenta as well. And the two of you are sharing that one beautiful gift of life and mm. you're safe. I have more questions. Okay. Oh my gosh. I feel quite I, vulnerable. I, I feel first, a little I've, vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say first, like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you for, for talking about it. Um, I, I know growing up, you didn't tell me about that. You told me you, cause you, you didn't have a tooth for a long time. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I'm exposing your tooth. Uh, she didn't have a tooth down here when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Down here. And she told me she broke her jaw, but it was a car accident. I don't know if you remember this. You told me it was in a car accident and you weren't wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> and, um, I'm a liar. that's what I'm sorry. I, that's what I believed like growing up until, yeah. I mean, you did tell me eventually. And but, this is my bleeding truth here. Yeah. 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 But, you know, good things come from bad uh, events, too. Like, uh, I I felt fine after a couple of weeks, you know, but I was getting very skinny because I couldn't eat. Right. Talk about that, like, um, healing process that you had to go through. Uh, yeah. I had to have my jaw shut, um, yeah, wired shut for... I think it was like 10 weeks. So during that time, I could only like suck in like little bits of soft pureed food. Uh, and I had to go back to work after two weeks. And what? I was, yeah. What? I was losing weight. Um, <laughs> going back to work in two weeks? I went back that? to work. Um, and it, the good thing was that the patient spoke Arabic, right? And we had translators. So the translators knew what questions I would want to ask. So I would just come to the patient side of the bed like this. And every now and then something would happen and I'd get giggly or laugh and, you know, and I'd go, ha, ha, ha. And then they'd go, whoa, because my mouth was full of metal. So that was kind of funny. Oh, mom. And then... um. Uh, one of the young doctors uh, fell in love with me over this because he used to feel so sad that I couldn't eat because eating is like such a great way to be together and let's all eat. Mm. And, um, but he would uh, come with little tiny nibs of chocolate, tiny little bits, and he would put it in little space that I had. He'd find that little space every day. And of course, you're not meant to be interacting in any way, you know, but he, he, he got so caring and so loving and he put that little nip of chocolate into that space. And we got quite close just from that interaction, you know, and it was my, it re resumed my faith, you know, that they're, that yeah. men are good. And wow. That was yeah. going to be, that was going to be kind of my next question is yeah. just like how, where was your mental space after that? Like, how, how were you, yeah. what was your perspective after that? Guilt. Like I was guilty. What? I know. Yeah. I felt guilty. I, because I was kept telling myself, you know, I must've said the wrong thing or wore the wrong. I, I blamed myself um, for many years. Um, and I, you know, deep down, I knew that I, I, wasn't with the right person you know but at that time I wasn't ready to leave him 
but I did eventually leave him, of course. Um, but oh, yeah. at that time, you know, we were, um, it was it was a weird place, Saudi, you know, it was like living in an alternate reality, you know, uh, that I, we didn't really talk about it. You know, wow. he, yeah. But he did puree potatoes and stuff for me and tried to feed me. I remember trying to, him trying to like get the food in. But we didn't talk about it. We never did. Wow. Yeah. I can't, I can't let me tell you, you went through that. But too, over there in that society, um, it was like, it wasn't like an unusual thing for a woman to be beaten up. I, I witnessed women being beaten in the street, you know, and a few times I'd see it, I'd have to walk by it. You couldn't like interfere with if her husband wow. thought that she you know had you know been disrespectful to him he would just slap her right there right there and then uh, so perhaps um you know living over there for a long time that that becomes kind of like accepted I'm just talking about years ago this is 30 years ago and I'm right. sure Saudi Arabia has come a long way you know, since that. But yeah. being the nurse turned into the patient can be very, very scary because, you yeah. know, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I was getting a blood transfusion and everything, looking up at the blood dripping in, thinking, you know, a few weeks ago I'd given my blood to someone and now, you know, here I am get receiving. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's just insane. I'm sure that it really did play a role, just the fact that you were immersed in like yeah. that culture. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You don't even notice after years of being there that um, you start thinking about your roles in a relationship differently. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't excuse it still. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at what point, um, because you said it took you years later to stop feeling guilt about it. At what point did that change? Um, I think when I met a woman, uh, another nurse who came to work with all of this makeup on her face and she didn't usually wear that kind of makeup. <clears throat> and I was like, where are you going? And uh, she just kind of like walked past me and I'm like, what's going on? So I went after her and I tried talking to her and said, no, seriously, you've got a lot of makeup on. Uh, what's happening? And she said, I'm trying to hide this black eye. Can you see it? And when when we looked in there, we could see it was like really puffy, really black. And uh, she said, don't tell anyone. And, and she said something like, I, I um, said the wrong thing. Yeah, she said, I said the wrong thing. So I then felt you know she opened up something in my heart and I felt compelled to tell her my story and to show her the gap where I had no tooth and I said so maybe the next time he'll do this to you and uh, she was like oh my gosh so we had this really wonderful quest you know um chat about it and yeah. um, but I, I remember anytime I would 
come across a woman that I thought was being abused, I would do that. I would pull open my mouth and say, look at that, you know, make sure that doesn't happen to you. And uh, uh, through helping women talk to the, talk about it, um, I healed myself, my own heart. I mean, I have wow. no, you know, fears or animosity or you know, there's no unfinished business in my mind or heart about it. I, I, I feel, you know, it's women need to open up to each other and talk yeah. about stuff like that. What you just described um, about, you know, noticing that change about somebody like one of your peers and yeah. then going after them mm-hmm. is like the perfect example for what somebody else should do. Yeah. or could do if you know they see someone right. near them that there's a change and you don't know what it is right but ask and see if they're yes. in need of help and i'm like exactly yeah, you, you did the exact right thing following yeah. her yeah i remember i was in dublin um walking you know high heels used to wear high heels down the street and it was like little alleyways off this street and I walked by one uh, and I realized oh I just saw a woman being beaten up in there and I went back and ran down the alleyway and said stop leave her alone and suddenly she jumped in front of him and she said f off you bitch and mind your own business (laughs) and I'm like oh okay but there was blood on her face. Oh, God. You know? That's so sad. Yeah. That was before I had my own experience. And I remember walking away from that woman thinking, how could you ever think so little yeah. of yourself? You know? But but sometimes women are in relationships um, and they, they put themselves as second-class citizens uh, that the the man or the the other partner, whoever they're with, is all powerful, and their needs must come first, uh, and they don't even realize that they're doing it. And then if that their partner is abusive, um, they go into this kind of like fairyland in their mind that it'll go away or it'll get better, and it doesn't get better; it gets worse. Always gets worse. You know, if you've triggered someone to be an abuser, that's who they are. And some couples, when they're together, they bring out the worst in each other. And it's like their hearts are allergic to each other or something that they want to be together, but they bring out the worst in each other. And sometimes a woman or a man, it could be a man who has been abused too, uh, they they don't realize it until it's too late. Maybe they wake up in a pool of blood or they don't wake up. They don't wake up. But anyway, I'm not preaching on this. I'm just um, telling you my bleeding truth. You're so cute. <laughs> I'm bald. Look, doesn't it look like I'm bald when I tied my hair? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can we see your teeth? Right now? The, or do you want to see these teeth? Look at yeah. these teeth. <laughs> when I when I had my tooth knocked out, um I was I went to get my uh, uh what you call the denture, not denture, mm-hmm. but I have a false tooth in there. 
but mm. I love it. Um, but this is what my dentist made me so that I could wear for for a couple of years while I was waiting to get that done. And Aww. I love, oh, here in America, it's so much fun. Everybody um, goes to the dentist and like <laughs> dentistry is so important. My very first experience with the with the dentist that I can remember uh, was this old cranky dentist smelling of alcohol. Yes. And I had a tooth that was rotten, right? It needed to come out. And my poor mother, somehow she got me to the dentist because she wanted to help us because her own experience with dentistry. Was oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. That's in one of the last podcasts about yes, your mom's poor teeth. Mom. Oh, yes. gosh. But this, she brought him in, me in and she said, she needs this tooth taken out and I can't help her. And um, he was drunk. I know he was drunk. I could smell the alcohol off him. He was really cranky. And he had like the tooth in like pliers. It felt like a plier. And he was like going, trying to get it out. And it broke. And the root had was a little bit of the root was. Oh my gosh. Yes. But the root came up itself after like a couple of months. But And he was like, it'll come up. Don't worry. It'll be all right. And my mother was mad with him. Yeah. Yeah. My poor mother lost all her teeth and had to have full dentures. And she used to take her dentures out and show us her funny faces (laughs) to scare us so we wouldn't eat sweets. (laughs) It worked for years. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't want to make it sad again, but I want to go back um, real quick because I had one more question about that incident um did anything ever happen to the guy like what 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 resulted in him he we just went on with life like it never happened wow yeah and then when you guys broke up he just not a not a peep uh well you know we broke up later um that's probably another story. <laughs> okay, that'll be If anyone's interested in my romance. Oh my gosh. Oh man. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just fascinated also how you can you can be so positive now even like on such a heavy topic. It is um, heavy. It is, but yeah. it's not happening to me right now. It's yeah past tense and I'm not going to get my stress hormones going here I'm enjoying life life is so True. good I have the best man in the world now yeah he's so sweet so nice to me there's it's like it's like already in my life I've been through the worst things that can ever happen that's how I feel you know mm-hmm. and now it's it's great yeah well, I do hypnosis. I'm a certified hypnotherapist and I do all sorts of hypnosis, but especially hypnobirthing. And if you're feeling anxious about um, your pregnancy or your birth, uh, you might check out the hypnobirthing. It's really, really, uh, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. And it, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis that you train yourself to be calmed and to notice when you're anxious 
and to, to notice your mind going off in a direction like a little monkey, like your mind's like a little monkey with your beautiful face on and that little monkey's heading off down a road you don't want. And you catch that monkey by the tail and you pull her back and say, come back here to me. We're not going down there. We're going to stay here where it's sunny and bright and there's fresh air and, and everyone's safe and happy. That kind of um, teaching and practicing that is not, that's applicable to more than just pregnancy. Yes. Oh yeah, gosh, I can use isn't that. it? Yes. All yeah. the time. Yeah. You can use it too, Bridgie, right? Yeah. I mean, I do because I have my own fears and, mm-hmm. you know, things that bother me sometimes. And I have, I, I, we didn't talk about it, but I think I kind of came to that same conclusion that you've mm-hmm. learned is that if it's in the past and I keep myself reliving mm-hmm. things, then I feel the same way that I felt then. You're putting yeah. your body through the same stress. Right. So doesn't mean forgetting things. It doesn't mean pretending it didn't happen. Yeah. But to remember to keep yourself more present yeah. and, you yeah. know, focus on what I can control. And focus yeah. on... Um, you know, what I'm grateful for now. Yes. And that gives you a different perspective on how to handle things like that in the so future. True. Yeah. So true. And sometimes you need to revisit the past and, you know, look around your story and see, is there something that you need to remember? Is there something that you need to know? Uh, but if it's just to feel bad again, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. So, so then that's a good question that you, you just gave me. Um, why this podcast? Because it's a lot of remembering hard things for yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I guess it's because some of this I've never talked about to anybody. Right. And right. I think it's time. It's time to tell my bleeding truth. And yeah. to get it out and to feel, you know, uh, lighter and. Yeah. And maybe, maybe just maybe some of this will help people. Like maybe there's a woman listening to us right now and she's in an abusive relationship. And she's getting a feeling like maybe I don't want to be in a re- in this relationship. And maybe, just maybe, she will find a way out. Or, or we'll plant a seed in her mind that when the right time, the right day, the right situation comes up, she'll be able to leave him. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to wait until you wake up broken and bloody. Yeah. Like another, another way of putting it too is, and it doesn't have to mean that you're in a relationship that's bad, but you're just... Maybe you're having your own anxieties that are putting yourself in unfortunate situations in your mind. Um, Thinking about like, when, when am I done suffering? Like, do I want to be suffering or do I want to make decisions that'll help myself not feel this way anymore? And what can I control to, to change my, my life circumstances? Right. Like, even if it's just, in that moment changing what it is that you focus on is it all these negatives or is it just yeah what you're you know thankful for it's cool to hear a young person (laughs) talking like that it's really nice (laughs) 
I feel like you have to hurt to 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 have some of these perspectives. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I know you've had your own hurts. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not my podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> this is your bleeding truth. <laughs> I want to hear your bleeding truth. Nah. <laughs> my my story is not done yet. Oh. <laughs> but, That's um, great. If anybody's still listening to us, thanks a million for being there. And I'll put a link in the description for Sally's website. Um, you can check out her hypnobirthing there. And also, if you're interested, you do sometimes have like one-on-one hypnosis as well. So you can always yeah. email and set one of those up via Zoom or even if you're in person in Ventura, uh, she's open to that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you guys for, for listening. It's been wonderful. And mom, yes. oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Oh, and, thanks. Um, all Whew. of your stories. I felt a little vulnerable there. <laughs> yeah. But it's You're good. Crazy. It's all good. Thanks for well, listening. Thanks for listening. Please good. like, subscribe, share, um, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.